Welcome back to the Center for Medical Education's podcast. Please note that all of our products at ccme.org are 15% off until 2022. At checkout, please use the code THANKS15. Today's episode is part two of Challenging Cases You Can't Miss, presented by Dr. Jim Roberts. Enjoy. The alcoholic comes in, he fell down, banged his head, and he uh, got a little bit of bleeding, so you put a, uh, a, a wrap around it and uh, put him in the back, let him sober up. Alcohol level is about 300. About an hour later, you hear this thud, and you find the guy on the floor, and you go back and you see he's bleeding all over the place. And uh, the, the, the wrap around his head has, has gotten off his, the pressure on his laceration. And I said, man, you got a lot of bleeding there. He says, yeah, it's that uh, hemophilia acting up again, Doc. So I said, you have a hemophilia? He says, yeah, didn't I tell you? I said, no, I didn't. So not all, super, not all scalp lacerations are benign. They can bleed a lot. You think this guy would have a bracelet or something that had hemophilia. He needed replacement factors. You know, go figure. But with nine phone books in Philadelphia, each of them has a malpractice lawyer on the cover. No. Uh, overdose found lying down, uh, kind of crouched between the, the couch and the floor for a couple of hours. She's unconscious, and she has a severe aspiration pneumonia and hypoxic, and she's unconscious. She was, a, I think, a tricyclic and a benzo overdose. And you see she's got some red swellings on the side where her arm was against her, uh, against her body. So you, you intubate her, you give her some sedation because she's on a ventilator, you give her antibiotics, and you admit her to the ICU. This is a guy who's got a little more obvious problem. He's got pressure necrosis of the, of the arm because he, he fell asleep with his arm over the chair, you know, for about 12 hours, and he got some necrosis there. This lady, uh, after she woke up about 12 hours later, well, by the way, she has a positive dipstick in the urine, and it's clear urine. That's hemoglobinuria. So she's got some sort of uh, uh, bleeding problem and uh, myoglobin. I'm sorry, that's myoglobinuria. And the next day, she says her arm's killing her. It's swollen. She can't move her fingers, and she has a compartment syndrome. And um, she had required a couple of surgeries, and it was all just for having pressure. She couldn't complain because she was intubated, and uh, you could see that she had some signs of pressure on her body, but. Um, she, she had a really nasty problem. Now, that'll never have, have a normal-looking arm, uh, and she needed skin graft and so on. She actually sued us. Uh, we saved her life from her drug overdose, but she so just sued us anyway. This uh, lady found asleep in the airplane in the Philadelphia airport going from Houston to uh, Detroit, and uh, um, the... Uh, uh, people said that they started going to the bathroom a couple of times, and when they tried to, to wake her up, to go uh, to change planes, she was unconscious. She has disconjugate gaze. The eyes are going each way. And that's very, very common with a sedative hypnotic overdose. And uh, she was unconscious, and uh, I was a toxicology consult, and they had found some codeine and benzos in her urine, and um, opioids and benzos in her urine. And so they just put an NG tube down those days. You put some charcoal down there, 
And they said, well, it's called a tox consult because I was looking for business. And uh, I see her and I, I look at her and they did everything fine. Her vital signs are stable. She's unconscious with this conjugate gaze. She's obviously a drug overdose, didn't need to be intubated. So um, what am I going to do? You know, consult doesn't do anything. It's kind of worth not calling them. So I said, uh, you guys do a rectal exam? And they said, no, why would we do a rectal exam? Oh, I said, could something, maybe she's got some GI bleeding. Uh, so I did a rectal exam and I feel something funny in the anterior chamber, or the anterior portion of the, of the rectum. And um, so I said, well, you better, we better an x-ray. There's something down here. And we get an x-ray and she has those little square white things in, the, in her pelvis. And I took that over to the radiologist. I said, hey, what is this stuff? She said, oh, that's stool, son. He said, we call that stool. And I said, well, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, better, and it's not in her rectum, so put her up and did a pelvic exam, and in her pelvis is crack cocaine wrapped in a garbage bag. She didn't have a positive cocaine on her thing, but I, I named that crack packing. No, uh, no fun intended, but uh, um, these people that, that swallow drugs and put them all sorts of places in order to, to, uh, to smuggle them in, it's amazing. Uh, if that, this thing could have uh, leaked out, She'd get cocaine toxin, could have died. The people that swallow the 20 heroin condoms filled in Mexico and get across the border, one of those breaks, and he dies in, he dies in the airplane. So uh, um, be careful how, how, you, how you treat a drug overdose. It's not just straightforward. They took too many drugs. She was admitted to hospital, and um, I think they called the cops on her, and she got arrested for smuggling. Uh, this is just a human bite to the hand. We'll, we'll let that one go. It shows you can uh, uh, splinting. If you're going to splint the, something, splint it the right way. Look at how that's down. This is bef uh, when the guy came back the next day for a wound check, and he says, my hand's all swollen, Doc. He was on some antibiotics, and uh, the reason why his hand is swollen is because he's got his arm flexed, his, his, his wrist flexed, cutting off the venous supply. So this went from a, from a minor infected bite, which actually, the bite doesn't look that bad, to a, to a lot of swelling in the hand. He had to be admitted. Uh, so just be careful, you know. You, your splints are look like a, the breast implants of a surgeon. Everybody looks at them, so you gotta be careful you put a good one on. And we get a lot of calls from, from doctors saying, oh, put that crappy splint on there. And they come back with uh, uh, all sorts of problems. This lady said, Come, uh, when we put the splint on, she said, well, it really hurts. It really hurts. It's supposed to hurt. You got a, you got a bad sprained ankle. Oh, man, it really hurts. Should have taken it off and looked at her because you can see that she's got a, a, a lot of folds in there when it was put on, very sloppy splint. She came back the next day with a couple of ulcers on her calf because of the pressure necrosis from that splint. So uh, you think a splint doesn't cause any problems. This particular one does. Uh, we'll forget that one. This guy comes in and um, he says, I think I got a couple of bug bites, Doc. I said, no, really? Um, what makes you think that? He said, well, you know, they kind of itch a little bit. And I see these little red dots over here and these blisters. I said, did you see any bugs? He said, no. And I hear this kind of ow from the next, from the next uh, room. I look out there and he says, oh, that's my girlfriend. I said, yeah, what's the matter with her? Uh, they said something like, PID or something like that. Uh, then they gave her a shot of Rocephin, and it, it caught, it, it, she started to yell at it. So I said, hmm, got any other problems? He said, well, yeah, I'm not feeling great. I said, problem when you urinate? Well, it burns a little bit. So I take a look at his penis. Now, don't you think you would have told me that he had this crap coming out of his penis? He has gonococcemia, and his girlfriend's in there for PID, sort of a two-for-one um, 
Gonococcema is not that uncommon. All you need is those little red dots there, uh, and that's the sign of the um, bacteremia. This girl's um, came in for some sort of sprain, and I go in the room, I looked at her, and she looks kind of funny. She's got her legs twisted in like that. It's pretty hard to do that. She's kind of tall and thin, and her fingers look a little bit long. Um, and uh, I, I said, do uh, you have any medical problems? She said, well, I have Marfan syndrome. And actually, Marfan syndrome is much more common than you might think. And um, she said, I said, well, uh, you know, that could cause trouble with your, your body. Oh, I get an aortic ultrasound every year looking for aortic dissection. So I said, okay. And we, we basically sent her home. But Marfan syndrome, she can do that with her legs. I can't do that. Very hypermobile joints. When you put your thumb down, you can touch your forearm. You can't do that if you're uh, normal people can't do that. Very hypermobile. You got long fingers. When you wrap your finger around your wrist, you have an overlap. Of a, of a couple of centimeters, the, the one on the, uh, on the left there is uh, on my hands, and, and I can just about barely make it around my wrist. And it's arachnodactyly, long, thin fingers. These people also have uh, their width, when they stretch their, oh, I can do that with this thing, with this, this guy got Marfan syndrome, can do that with, with his feet. Now, the reason you want to know about Marfan syndrome is that basically they can die from aortic dissection. So, um, Here's a guy, he puts his arms out there, they're, they're both the same height, but the guy behind him, his arms are longer than the guy in front of him, so this shows that he has you know, another finding of Marfan syndrome. So I'm all keyed up on Marfan syndrome. I must have made, seen about half a dozen patients in my career with, with Marfan syndrome. And they have a high arched palate. This is Ellis Danlos syndrome, which we we'll got. So this kid comes in, chest pain. He's crying, oh, my chest, oh, my chest. The mother comes out, she's, oh, doctor, doctor, you got to give him something. I don't know, I think, I think he might have some oral heart problem. He's got, he's got chest pain. And so I look at the kid, he's getting a little bit sweaty, and he's holding his chest, and um, he looks a little morphinoid, doesn't he? I'd seen the Marfan syndrome a couple of days ago. Uh, he's got that pectif excavatum, which is common in Marfan syndrome, and uh, he's uh, complaining a lot of chest pain. I'm saying, oh, my God, this guy's probably got an aortic dissection. So this is a hospital that didn't have any pediatrics, and um, so I was going to get him out of there really quickly. So I called the children's hospital and said, i got a guy here with aortic dissection from Marfan. They said, really? Okay, we'll be right over. So they sent an ambulance over. They said, get him started. Get started an IV, get some blood work, get a chest x-ray, and uh, we'll be over. So I sent him for chest x-ray. They come back with this chest x-ray, and in the middle there you see some metal object in the middle of his chest. This guy, his kid had swallowed something that he was playing with. I don't know why he didn't tell anybody that, but that was causing his chest pain. So I just get this x-ray, and the, the uh, uh, children's hospital comes in and say, okay, where's your guy with Marfan syndrome? Oh, I said, he went to another hospital. He went down to the DuPont hospital. They have a thoracic surgeon down there. But as long as you're here, I got a guy with an esophageal foreign body that you can take. So <laughs> they, they took, you got to get those esophageal foreign bodies out of there. <clears throat> Never let them know you made those mistakes. It's about 11 o'clock at night. He's wearing sunglasses. He's got his belongings in a bag, and he's got a coat on. It's the middle of, winter, middle of summer. And his problem is, can't walk. Oh, man, this is a, this is a nice case for the resident. So he said, resident, uh, here's a great case for you. Some old guy says he can't walk. And he got the story that uh, uh, he jumped off the st one step, and his knees hurt him, and he sort of fell to the ground. 
And the resident says, his x-rays are negative. I think he's got a sprain, but I put bilateral neomobilizers on him, and uh, he walks around just fine. Kind of walks like this, you know. I think he may be malingering, he said, because I can't find anything on him. X-rays, his are normal. So when was the last time you put bilateral neomobilizers on, on an 80-year-old, right? You've got to think about that twice. So we're going to look at him, and uh, these are sort of what his knees look like. You can see on the the uh, one on the right there, there's a lot of swelling in the suprapatellar area. That's what a, a joint effusion does. Uh, the blood gets up because the joint goes up above the knee. And uh, I asked him to raise his leg off the, the stretcher, and every time he raised it up, his knee buckled. He couldn't keep his leg straight. So both knees he couldn't extend uh, and keep his leg straight. But you put a knee mobilizers on him, and you fixed them, right? And here's a guy who's got the same thing. This guy had bilateral quadriceps tendon ruptures. Uh, he was on corticosteroids. He had one step fall, landed on both of them, and ruptured his tendons. Uh, this guy, you can feel the indentation, but you can't always do it in some patients. This is a, this requires a surgery uh, fairly quickly because the the the, uh, the tissues get all yucked up, and and you can't put them together again. So these are, patients are admitted, and they're they're fixed with uh, their quadriceps tendon ruptures. You don't want to miss that. You only have one of these things that he looks good, and you think they're maybe looking for pain medicine. You put him in a knee immobilizer. He comes back a week and a half later, and he still has the same problem. Now he's got a really difficult surgical case to try to fix that up. So be real careful. It's simple. Ask him to raise the leg off the bed, and he should be able to keep it straight. Uh, this one is... Uh, who is this one? Uh, this guy comes in with um, swelling of his penis. And uh, the, uh, uh, the, the nurse says, hey, doctor, this guy's got a little bit of swelling of his penis. He's from the nursing home. Uh, we don't have any room for him. It's really backed up. Can you just give him some cream and we can get him out of here? So I go back and I look at him. He's got a Foley catheter in there, and he's got that swelling around the, the, uh, the tip of the penis there. Now, yeah, could that be a little uh, irritation or something like that? Well, it could be. But in fact, this is a classic presentation of paraphimosis, right? Now, you can fix paraphimosis in this stage in the ER. And what you want to do is replace the foreskin. When they put the Foley catheter in the nursing home, they pulled the foreskin back and didn't replace it. So it sits up there for a couple of days, and it gets swollen, and sometimes you have to do some sort of surgical cut to get them down. But early on, you can fix it. So you want to get that swelling out of there. So you close the curtain, and you give them the urologist handshake, and you sort of sit there for about five minutes, uh, hoping it's going to get some of that edema out of there. Or you can put on the penile papoose, right? Just wrap it with an ACE bandage, and that'll get some of the, uh, some of the swelling out of there. And this is relatively easily fixed. You put the thumb on the glands penis, you encircle the penis with your hand, and you push the thumb in, and you pull the foreskin out. And uh, this is what it looks like after it's done. So... Um, not just a, a little irritation of the penis from the, from the nursing home. Nah, time immersive, a lot of abscesses around. Uh, this guy comes in, he says, Doc, I got, I got this thing on my chest. I don't know, I, it hurts a little bit, but uh, it's been growing for a couple of days. So I look at him, I said, hmm, it looks like an abscess. You see, I, that's what I thought, that's what my girlfriend said it was. So I said, well, we need to drain that. Uh, it's an unusual, usual place for an abscess, of course, but um, so I, I, I drained it, and uh, some kind of yucky material in there didn't quite didn't look like pus, but yeah, it was kind of weird. I so I said I better take a culture of this, and I said this could be MRSA, so we got to put you on a on Bactrim. 
because we've seen a lot of Mercer around here. I want you to come back in two days and remind me to check your culture, by the way, when you come back, and uh, we'll, we'll see how you do. So he comes back two days later, right? He packed it with some gauze. By the way, packing abscesses with gauze, if you've been reading the literature, is probably not needed. I still do it for big abscesses, but uh, packing them doesn't seem to do a whole lot of, whole lot of good for them, but it keeps the yuck from coming out all over the sheets. So he comes back two days later. He looks pretty good, doesn't he? Cured another one. Maybe it was MRSA. I said, okay, well, just keep it clean, and you can use a Q-tip in there, and when you take a shower and keep a dressing on there, you should be okay. He said, you told me to remind you about the culture. Eh, it doesn't really matter what the culture shows. All right, I'll, I'll give him a call. So I called the lab. I said, give me the name. I said, you got the culture results in this guy? He says, no, we don't have any culture results. I said, why not? He said, well, you know, the, 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 the bacteriology guy said, you got to send that to pathology because that looks kind of yucky. So we sent it to pathology. So I called pathology, and this guy had a highly undifferentiated breast cancer. Um, that This is a guy who didn't quite get seen as, as quickly and, and by me, but uh, this is a nasty disease in men. And this is, this is a breast cancer that's gone. He's got some lymphedema. Really nasty. Uncommon in men, but sure looked like an abscess to me. You know, kind of just a regular abscess to you? Just clean that out, send him home, and a couple of days later, he's, he's better. He comes back a month later, and he's got some uh, problems. Another guy with an abscess of his chest, right? He says, Doc, I've been seeing a couple of doctors for this. I got this little draining abscess here, and I ran out of my Keflex. And by the way, they usually give me 120 Percocet because they've got a lot of pain here. I said, Really? I said, tell me about this. He said, well, you know, I just, you know, just got this little abscess here, and they didn't really drain it well, um, <clears throat> but it gets better with the Keflex, uh, but it really hurts like hell. Boy, it really hurts in my chest. I really need that Percocet. So um, when you look at his, uh, his neck, you can see he's got some uh, little scars there above his clavicles, right? They're not normal, right? There's another person who comes in wearing a turtleneck in July, right? She's got some tracks in her neck. They're shooting, they're shooting up drugs in their, in their, in their veins, of their, their uh, drugular veins, because they, they had it in the other veins. So um, what's the matter with this guy? He had a, uh, when I, I, I did a CAT scan, and about a half of his sternum was eaten away from osteomyelitis. So what he had was draining osteomyelitis that was thought to be just an abscess. Seen by three or four different doctors, you know, he knew he was a drug, a drug addict. Give him a couple of Percocet and get rid of him, and uh, missed it. So he had a really nasty time. And, uh, uh, Pseudomonas osteomyelitis, uh, very common in drug abusers, and for some reason it goes to the, uh, to the, uh, sternoclavicular, the sternoclavicular joints, and um, when it points to the skin, you know, it looks like it, it looks like it's draining abscess. So you see somebody has a recurrent abscess, you gotta think there's something underneath the cause. It could be just a foreign body, but it also could be something that's osteomyelitis. Uh, she was punched by a boyfriend. Fairly common. She's got a little laceration in her upper lip. You can see that her tooth is knocked off there. And um, we uh, we said, well, it's a little, little laceration. You don't have to really put some stitches in there. We'll put you on some penicillin, and uh, you know, it'll get better in a couple of days. So she goes back a couple of days later, and it's still swollen, and it's quite tender. And uh, what we do when we, when we examine her a little more carefully, you know, this was a, a bedside diagnosis. You don't, even, you don't even feel anything around, but when you see that tooth off like that, that, that piece of that tooth is somewhere. It's in her stomach. It's on the ground. 
or in this case, it's in her lip. And we pulled this piece of, of uh, tooth out of her lip. Uh, he said, I told the doctor I thought there was a piece of my tooth in there. He didn't even listen to me. So if the patient tells you something like that, you know, pay attention to him. Mm, this guy, I'm, I'm, I'm sewing up his, his laceration of his arm, and he said, I punched out a window. Always, always, always think of this glass foreign body in there. I said, uh, well, you know, I, I, I fell around. I didn't find anything. I said, well, we'll, have to, we'll just sew this up. I said, I don't, I don't think there's anything in there. She said, well, the nurse did an x-ray. I did an x-ray. You probably ought to look at it. We looked at it, and he's got this huge piece of glass in his forearm. For the life of me, I couldn't find that thing for about a half an hour. And finally, he found it and pulled it out. Uh, so anybody who punches the window and has a laceration, you got to get a plain x-ray. All glass shows up on an x-ray. You don't need a CAT scan or anything like that. Just regular glass, even small pieces from a, from a light bulb or something, shows up on an x-ray. And, of course, this would have caused an infection and made you look pretty bad when this guy came back a week later and he's got an infection and somebody else finds that. Mm, let's forget about that one. Here's an ant bite to the penis. Uh, resident comes over and says, hey, Doc, what's the, what's the, how much Benadryl do you give somebody got an ant bite to his penis? I said, well, let's see, the last 10 that I saw, I gave him 25 milligrams. You don't, you don't happen to see anybody with that, do you? Oh, he says, there's a guy over there, he's an illegal alien, doesn't speak any English, and uh, the nurse says he talked to him in Spanish, and, and he said an ant bit him in the penis. So he said, oh, I'll go do that, i got my camera here, let's go take a picture of that. So I go and look at him, and um, he, uh, he's got this swelling there. And I said, sir, uh, did an ant bite you in the penis? See. Si. And you saw him crawling on there? See. And after he bit you, it started to swell up? See. I said, and you're an aardvark, aren't you? See. So he had no idea what I'm asking about him, right? So uh, I said, well, a little Benadryl probably not going to hurt him, but this is kind of unusual. I don't think it's a bug bite. So I'm um, looking around a little bit further, and underneath that swelling is a rubber band. It's, it's caught up in the edema. So you can't see it, and if you, if you pull the, the swelling apart, you can see it around there. And that's, for the guys in the audience, that's, that's cheap Viagra. He, was, uh, he got drunk, he put this rubber band around his penis to maintain his erection, and he got drunk and he fell asleep and he forgot all about it, and he, wake up, he wakes up the next day, he doesn't even remember he put it on there. And, you know, people make up a reason for something. that uh, People that have spontaneous onset of uh, some sort of problem, they always had a fall, or they sprained themselves. You know, a guy with a thoracic aneurysm remembers lifting something heavy a week ago. So this was, uh, I don't know what the dose of Benadryl is for an ant bite to the penis, but uh, I don't think it would have helped him very much. Another cocaine addict comes in having had a seizure. He's shooting up in his neck also, and um, he's tachycardic. He's um, uh, really agitated and confused, so we sedate him a little bit. And um, I said to the uh, to the to resident, you know, it's like cocaine guys; they can die. You know? They can get cocaine is a local anesthetic, so it causes a bradycardia and uh, uh, hypotension uh, in its final stages. So we we see him there for a while, and he starts to get bradycardic and hypotensive. I said, "See, I told you, this guy's going to die from cocaine. We better intubate him, okay? And uh, we'll give him high doses of benzos. Maybe we can save him. Give him a, give him a vasopressor and." Uh, so we do that, and I, the medical students in there, I said, hey, why don't you bag him? You know, we're kind of busy doing stuff. You just bag him. So she bags, she, it's a woman, she's bagging him, and she says, yeah, it's really hard to bag this guy. 
I said, you're going to make a great doctor. You can't even, you know, don't go into anesthesia. Um, she says, well, he's hard to bag. So I take it out of her hand, and yeah, he is hard to bag. About this time, after he was intubated, his chest x-ray comes back, and he's got a huge tension pneumothorax. That's why he's hypotensive and bradycardic. This guy would have died in another 10 minutes. Uh, luckily, um, we got this x-ray back. Uh, but, uh, you know, straightforward cocaine overdose. You see him every day. He was a classic case of severe cocaine poisoning, except this guy ha happened to shoot in his neck. He hits the part of the lung, and he got a, a, a small pneumothorax, and we bag him uh, with the bag, and he put, put air in the, um, in the um, thoracic space, and he gets attention to pneumothorax. Easily could have died. Uh, this guy's got a lot of edema, uh, and um, the... Um, uh, I said to the nurse, you know, why don't you put a Foley in him because he's, he's got some congestive heart failure. And she comes back about 20 minutes later. She says, I can't, I can't, find, I can't find the penis. She says, it's all too swollen. I go back and I says, yeah, it is. And you pull that skin apart and you can't really see much. So uh, in this particular case, again, you would utilize the penile papoose. So you wrap that around with an ace bandage to squeeze out a lot of the edema. You let it sit there for about 10 or 15 minutes. And then you can pull the, uh, the, the uh, end, uh, ends of the, of the foreskin apart, and uh, there's this penile papoose. And uh, look how much swollen, got all that swelling out of there. Pretty cool, huh? Then you can put the Foley catheter in. Do I have a picture of the Foley? Yeah, you have to use uh, uh, sometimes some forceps to pull the foreskin apart. But this guy's a really tough Foley catheter replacement. So um, don't, don't forget uh, the uses of an ace bandage other than for a splint. That's it. Don't screw up like I did. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To learn more about our educational products, please go to ccme.org. Bye for now.